Welcome to the Floor Academy podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Hadeen, owner of Illustrious Hardwoods in Mesa, Arizona. With me this week is Dan Wall, the lead carpenter for Covenant Construction in Ontario, Canada. And we're going to dive into instilling an, an owner mentality in your employees. I, I, this is a huge problem within the construction industry. We we all know we're faced with a shortage of l- labor. No one wants to work. The the people that do don't show up. Uh, right? We have all kinds of issues. I'm going to tell you, it's not because they're lazy. Get that out of your head. We'll make another episode about that. But the, they're they're not lazy. Um, however, a lot of employees don't grasp the importance of what they bring to the table. They don't take responsibility for their actions. They don't treat your tools with respect. So how do we go about instilling them to consider themselves an owner, even though they're not? And that's what we're going to get talking about today. Before we talk about this, I want to let you know, Floor Academy Podcast is here to facilitate your growth from owning a job to owning an asset. As a contractor, you are not the the doer of things. The minute you decided to open your own business, form an LLC or an S-Corp or whatever you want to do, wherever you're at in the world, you took on 8,000 other responsibilities and you are installer last. By taking on those 8,000 other responsibilities of, of marketer and bookkeeper and delivery guy and warehouse staff and uh, all of them, right? You decided that you were owning a business. That business is not a job. So we need to get you to having successful systems and processes. And every week we're diving into different topics. We're making that happen for you. Take those little nuggets, start applying them one by one, and you're going to change your business. I know it works because I've done it myself. Dan's an avid listener. He's over here and, and commenting and stuff. So I know he's paying attention and, and, and listening. Before we jump in and let Dan introduce himself, I'm going to take a quick second for one of our sponsors. For over 65 years, Latacrete has been a leading manufacturer of products and systems covering tile and stone installation, masonry veneer installation, resinous and decorative floor finishes, concrete construction chemicals, and concrete restoration. They offer an array of low VOC and sustainable products. Their products contribute to LEED certification, exceed commercial and residential VOC building requirements, and are backed by the most comprehensive warranties in the industry. For more information on Latacrete and the products they offer, visit latacrete.com. Whew, okay, we got through all of that. Dan, welcome yes. to the show. Thank you for joining me. Who are you? Thank you? What do you do? Where do you hail from? Uh, you know, what's that 30,000 foot view for you? So I live in London, Ontario, Canada. Uh, I work for, uh, I work for a company covenant construction. Um, it's uh, about 25, 26 employees altogether. Uh, I take the lead in their bathroom division of it. And the, the other 24, 25 people, they run a cabinet shop. They run uh, in-house design build. They also do uh, full uh, house renovations and full house builds. Um, so it's kind of a uh, all over the place. But my specialty is bathrooms because I do all the tile work. Okay. 
and you've been you've been doing construction for 25 years from what I could I you know I went over and uh, stocked the covenant page luckily they had a really good about us page and all their different employees so it looks like you've been doing construction about 25 years you've been with covenant for 12 but you you started with your dad I did uh, I started when I was about eight nine years old working summers and weekends and that and then uh, I, I grew up in, in British Columbia actually on the west coast and then uh, moved to Ontario when I was 16 went back to school got my my grade 12 uh, diploma and then went back into construction and worked for different companies and as I did construction in different places learned nuggets that I took with me on to the next one and the next one and the next one uh, worked for myself for a bit mm-hmm. and then uh, I got burned once and then I decided I was going to work for somebody else and let them take care of the paperwork and the taxes and dealing with the lawyers for <laughs> non-payment and all that stuff that owners get to deal with yeah I, look i can't blame you man there's there's days where i'm like i wonder if my attitude's changed enough that i could work for somebody else and i'm like <laughs> nah i couldn't do that <laughs> but it's it's Some tough it is so what what's that journey like um because you you worked for other people you worked for yourself you went back to working for people you you enjoy allowing others to to take care of it it's hard to run everything i i get it but what was what are the pros so, and cons for you really so for me um before i had started with covenant i had hit a plateau on my own where i couldn't i couldn't break through in um the the value of the project and the size of the project or and the the, the intricacy of the project and so when I started with them, they do a lot of hiring clients. So it got my foot in the door to uh, learn new things, to push that limit to what I could what I could do. Mm-hmm. So I could I could put myself into learning more stuff. Um, you know, one of the bathrooms I've done in the past two years was you know sixty thousand Canadian. So it, up here, it's it's a decent sized bathroom. Right? Yeah, for sure. And so what was that transition like, though? I I think there's an adjustment of like, you know, you get used to being an employee, you go out on your own, you have free reign to kind of do whatever you want, right? And then you got to get dialed back in and become employee again. And so when they tell you to jump, right, it's it's how high. And when they tell you that, look, it's got to be done by Tuesday, it's not, uh, okay, I got to get it done by Tuesday. They you're now under somebody's control again, essentially. And I, I don't know that controls the right word, but you're, you're selling your time to somebody else and they're deeming what will happen with it as opposed to you selling your own time and you deem how that gets divvied yeah. up, I guess. So, so when I first started with them, it took about eight months of a learning curve between the owner and myself because I had been on my own all the time so long you make the decisions and, and everything else. And it got to a point where um, I had done a project and the client was happy with it. They wanted to pay the pay for the project and everything was great. And it was kind of that breaking point where they realized that um, my interests are the same as theirs. I have that mindset of an owner that mm-hmm. even though um, I work for you, I think like an owner would that it's got to be meticulous. It's got to get done 
on time, under budget, and so you have a, a happy client. So where's that? Where do you think that does that mentality come from? You previously running your own business and you just have enough respect for somebody. You know, I, I think the the biggest complaint a lot of times is like, oh, they're just going to punch in and like lollygag around and not put in any effort, right? As long as I'm being paid by the hour. We're just going to stand around and milk the clock so that we can make as much money as possible. So why, where did you get this mentality from that you want to be respectful of someone else's company and, and do right by them as opposed to just looking out for Dan? That's, I think it goes along with pride in your work. So if you, if, if you don't care about what you're doing, it shows in what the product is that you put out. Right? And it's it comes into, um, you know how how you feel in your heart as to, you know, are you there just to punch a clock? Because anybody can punch a clock. You can go punch a clock at McDonald's mm-hmm. and and do the same thing. But it's taking that uh, pride in what you do and that you want to um, you want to do it well and you want to want to make sure that the homeowners the company owners are happy with what you've done as well. Okay. So in this like kind of eight month period where you guys were feeling each other out, like what those conversations look like in order for them to really come to terms with like, Hey, you know, Dan has our best interests at heart. He's really looking out for us. How do we, you know, they, they probably started letting you have more autonomy and operate a little bit on your own, have conversations with the client. Like, what that progression look like? What did those conversations look like? There wasn't a whole, ironically, there wasn't a whole lot of conversation about it, but it was just a, a realization that uh, uh, both of our interests were in the same direction. Mm-hmm. And like I said, so it's you know, even, even after that, um, it came down to uh, just them saying, Hey, you know, there's some decisions that you got to run past us before you make them. Because you know we do have final say, and we want to make sure everything lines up in a row, right? Uh, and so um, now I get a set of drawings and uh, the address, and I have full control of the project. So mm-hmm. I basically, be, I've become my own boss, but I still work under somebody else. They do all the legwork; I do all the, the work work. Yeah. Okay. Um, what? how is covenant running the business that you feel, you know, that you want to support the company? You know, you hear, right. The classic story is, you know, I'm getting yelled at the guy throws trowels at me, whatever it's going to be. Right. You got some grumpy, like boomer just pissed off that you can't bring them the right tool because it's your second day on the, on the job and you don't even know what all the tools are. And then you're getting screamed at. So how is their business set up that it makes you want to take pride in what you're doing for them? Right. Like where does this mentality you have of like, I want to respect their business. I want to act as if I'm an owner at all times come from like, what's special about the business that's making you feel that way? The, the, so when I started a couple of things, when I started um, the owner had me go out and tear up a main floor um, tile job somebody had done four years before that. We're talking, you know, 16 by 16, 
know, a thousand plus square feet, find all the loose tiles, pop them up and, and clean them off and reset them. And that was at his dime. And he was paying me to do all this work. And I thought if, if, if the owner has that much integrity to look after the clients, even though it's past what he is liable for, mm-hmm. then he must be a decent person to work with, work for. Okay. That's, I, that's pretty big. I, it's just, it's such a different way of looking at it. Once again, I don't know that, you know, if you put an 18 year old kid in that situation, that they're going to be able to see the finer details of it and, and really understand that. Um, is there anything else that stands out where you're just like, you know what, they really, they care about us. They take care of us. That makes the the culture at the company unique. Is there a way that they kind of, you know, have meetings or talk with you guys or treat you guys that it we always, makes you want to like, you know, ha- take better care of the assets you're given by them. Yeah. So we, we try to have quarterly meetings where we get everybody together, uh, you know, company barbecues, uh, Christmas parties, stuff like that. Um, we have, so because there's about four or five different crews going on at one time, um, there's a, a project manager that oversees all of those. And he's part, he's, he's one of the owners. So he goes mm-hmm. around and he checks all the sites every day, every couple of days to see how things are going. You know, is there any, problems that he can help you solve uh, so there's always that support there um and and i mean the, there's all we have benefits as well which not necessarily everybody uh different companies our size are able to provide to their employees as well yes uh, that's that's really big to get benefits i think there's not a lot of small businesses that offer them you know you don't have to start offering them until a certain size they're very expensive and it's something that could really make a business stand apart when you're in this space if you want someone to really feel that you care about them and yeah. take more pride in in their job benefits are a great way to do that now are you out in the field by yourself or do you have an apprentice at times for the most part i'm by myself but okay. uh uh if there was there's so much work lined up like we're booked out about a year and a half out so um for the work that i do tile wise it's probably till next may june at, at today's date mm-hmm. so it's always booking in um but it's if if they could have two of me that'd be great because there's that much work to get done so we're in the process of trying to find somebody else who's interested enough to get into tile work mm-hmm. that i get off train and it, it, are you involved in that role of trying to find them or are they just gonna you know interview and then hey dan here's the guy we picked or gal <laughs> probably the latter <laughs> Okay. And, but over 12 years, have you had anybody along the side, uh, alongside you? I have for a bit. Yeah. There okay. was a, a young guy that working with us. He's uh, 19 straight out of high school. Um, he's signed up as an apprentice. So he'll be going, he's, he's in school right now for two months. So up in Canada, uh, apprenticeship works where, um, so for carpenter apprentice, um, you're in school for two months and you spend 10 months in the field honing your skills 
they do that for three years and you get okay. reimbursed of each year. Uh, you take your final exam at the end of each year. And then the third year you take your final exam, you get your red seal ticket and you've got your license kind of thing. Okay. So, so uh, well, when he's had, around, like w- w- when he's there, yep. what, is, what does that look like? Like, does he, what is it taken for you to hopefully instill this mentality of like, I want to respect the owners. I want to take care of the tools because they're expensive. And even though they're not mine, like I'm allowed to use them and I want to continue to do it. Right. Like have, is there a different, like, was it a struggle? Is it something that he doesn't quite get? Is it something that you're like, he's working on to understand? He gets it. He's working on it. And it's, it's, um, thing is when you when you have kids you have a different um you see things a little bit differently because you have to have patience with your children and it's <laughs> you understand yes uh, so you gotta you gotta remember to take that patience that you have with your children and realize that this person is is not a child but they want to learn so so as a child you you know you you teach them how to do it you give them leeway to to do it and fail then you come back pick them up and show them again and you that's how you teach them and so it's kind of the same principles apply when you have somebody who is uh starting out with you you know as the owner or as the as the foreman or whatever position you're at you know that they come in with limited skill and your responsibility is to teach them how to how to hone the skills that they have and increase them and make them better. Well, I, I think that's the key is that you're recognizing that even though you're technically being handed an adult in a lot of situations these days, uh, like 18 is still very young. You're very much a child, no matter what you, you, you at 18 don't think that you're a child. I get it. I was there, but <laughs> you are very much a child still. And yeah. I, I think we forget that, right? Oh, you, you're, you should be living on your own and taking care of yourself and you should know how the world, like, man, you don't know anything. So I think that's a great point of you need to get in and nurture them, educate them, take your time, have patience with them. They're going to make mistakes. Don't get upset. Show them how it's done. Explain what was wrong. Let them do it again. Explain what was wrong. Let them right. It's a, it's a process to get them to where they need to be and to grow to. And I'm sure you're probably like me. You didn't like getting yelled at when you screwed up. That it it made you want to work hard enough to not, not do that mistake again, right? And it didn't make you want to yeah. do above and beyond. It made you like, okay, well, I'll just if I work at this level, then I don't get screamed at. And so I, I think that's a great advice of, you know, take your time with them, explain it, nurture them, grow them, and educate them because they have a lot to learn. Like you're not going to pick up on these things overnight. So What's that growth trajectory kind of looked like from where he started to where he's at now? He, he, you know, part of it is, is, is attitude. You got to be willing to learn. If you're mm-hmm. not willing to learn, then nothing is going to get passed th- through your ears. Uh, but once you have that willingness to learn, 
you soak it up and you, you know, you may go home and, and try troweling or, or try different things on your own. So you get a, get some practice in before you come to work. Um, and you, you have some that, um, you know, they, they, they want to learn and they just sit there and they watch, you know, ask questions. Questions are great. You know, if, if the person that's teaching you will not allow you to question anything, they're not really teaching you. Mm. There you go. I think that happens a lot too, is once again, it goes, you know, the, the episode description has the thing of like, well, I don't want to teach them everything because they'll just go out on their own and leave me. How do you expect someone to be able to do the job proficiently if they stay? Because here's the other thing is if you're not teaching them everything and they do stay, well, now you have a useless employee because they don't know everything. So it hurts you. Whereas in my opinion, I'd rather teach somebody everything and if they do decide to leave, at least they can compete on equal ground with me. They're not going Absolutely. out and, and hacking it up and doing subpar labor. So that's a much better situation. And honestly, if if this is the mentality of everyone that's come up, it's no wonder we're in the situation we're in now where no one wants to work in the trades and everyone says, oh, those are rates from the 80s. Um, well, you guys created it. It wasn't me. I've only been doing this seven years. So, um, you're the problem. (laughs) You need to go go fix you. (laughs) Yeah. It's, you know, and I think anyone listening to the show probably and has the same mindset that we're talking about, but, and I'm not trying to insult the audience, but it's the industry as a whole is broken. And everyone wants to keep pointing fingers instead of doing anything about it and making the change. And I understand change is difficult. So yeah. how I you mentioned, you know, people that ask questions like I was the guy that when I started, right, we're hopping in the truck at the end of the day. And I'm like, well, what about this? And what about that? And what like I wanted to know I was hungry, right? I, I, I had a goal and I, I knew what I wanted to do. And I haven't found anybody out of the few people that I've employed trying to find, you know, a replacement that does that. Um, Is that something is, is this kid like that? Or have you found a way to like instill a hunger or a thirst for, for knowledge in him? There is a thirst for knowledge in him. He wants to learn. Uh, Like I said, he's an apprentice. um, And the way his circumstances worked out, uh, he was able to get a uh, a house to, to. He was able to buy a house recently mm. through family, so it didn't cost him a fortune. Uh, and then that gives him a place to practice what he's learning on his own place. So then he can what he learns in the, in on the site, he can take that knowledge back to his place and fine tune it and see what does work and what doesn't work for him because you know Mm -hmm. each person um there's more than one way to skin a cat right so there's for some people one thing might work better than another thing so it depends on on who you are what your personality is what your how you work what works best for you no for sure there's definitely as long as you're hitting specs then you're okay. I think a lot of people get hung up on, I trained you to do it this way. I need you to do it this way. I get that. Yeah. But you train them. 
you taught them what the standard was, as long as they're hitting the standard, this is where I think a lot of contractors struggle to grow their businesses. They can't let go and trust people. If, Absolutely. If, if they're hitting spec, let it go. It doesn't matter yeah. if they trowel with their left hand and you taught them to do it with their right. Let it go. Like they might do something slightly out of order to you. Is the subfloor yeah. still clean, flat, dry? Did they trowel out correctly? Did they use the right adhesive? Like if it's good, it's good. It, 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 let it go. You don't have to be a control freak. <laughs> that's where in the, the learning curve when I started here uh, comes into play is that um, I had my own systems and processes in place for how I did bathrooms. Mm. And the way I did it was not the way that their previous person did it in that position. And so, like I said, there was a learning curve between the two of us as to um, from the start to the end of the project, getting it all done. The process was there. It wasn't necessarily in the same order uh, as somebody else had done it, but in the end, it was completed. It looked beautiful. The client was happy. Mm -hmm. um, and there was no hangups on, on getting paid on the job. Yeah. Which is, which is huge. I think you have to, you have to allow someone a certain amount of autonomy and trust them like it, it, that. And that's one of the problems in that. Why would I want to have an owner mentality for you when you're micromanaging me? Like if you're going to yeah, bring me on and, and teach me, then why would I, if you're going to, if you're going to be over my shoulder, you're going to be asked questioning everything I do. Uh, come do it yourself, man. Like I'm, I, I, I don't want to put up with you, right? I can't, if you can't trust yeah. me, then I'm not going to do it. And I, I think that's a lot of the the issues. And I know that I, I struggle with it. It's hard. It's absolutely hard because it's your name on the line. It's your reputation. But you can't grow if you can't trust people. Absolutely. So I was working for one company before and. Uh, it was uh, I had to travel and <clears throat> I had to travel for the for the job. And the owner comes up to me and he goes, "When you're traveling, just remember that when you are out somewhere else, and this is you know it could be the states, could be Europe, could be Canada, anywhere and everywhere, um, you represent me. You re you represent my company. Mm -hmm. So keep that in mind. And I've always kept that in my thoughts when I go to each project going, I represent the owner and I want to make sure that the owner is seen favorably. Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's huge. I, I don't know that a lot of people necessarily realize that, right. You show up and you, a subcontractor for a retail shop could open their van door and cigarette packs and week old soda drinks are falling out the side and there's, papers all over the dashboard and you know notes for this that and the other thing and then you open up the back of the the van or the trailer and it's just all piled up appearance matters right like oh yeah if if the salespeople came out and they were super clean cut and they looked good and then you show up and that's your appearance there's an inconsistency with the company and, and yeah. so I, I think part of having this correct mentality finding the right employees are people that understand exactly what you said is that you are 
out representing them no matter where you go. And then even taking that a step further, I know within the industry, within some of the online groups that we all hang out in on Facebook and whatnot, people swap shirts left and right, right? Like you'll, you have this shirt from this company over here and one from this guy over here, and then everyone's wearing each other's shirts around. Uh, man, you don't know who's visiting your town. And then you're wearing yeah. somebody else's shirt with, with their name and logo on it and, and phone number and all that. And maybe that person's visiting. And then you're out at the bar acting like a jackass. <laughs> you know, it, you, this is supposed to be your friend. And then you're out, you're, you're technically representing their company. Like, I, look, I know it's fun to swap the shirts and, and all of that stuff. But I think that's a great point that Dan brings up is like, you put on somebody else's shirt, you represent them now. You you go, you're working for your boss, you show up at the client's house, you're representing that company. You have to take that into consideration. You can't just you can't just show up and act how you want to act. You need to act according to the company. And I think that's a great conversation to have with a young employee or just someone starting out, is that okay? I don't know that that's discussed a lot. So that's probably just a great place to start with an employee of like, okay, hey, look, we need to be on the same page. This is these are the expectations I have. Absolutely, and that's that's expectations are a, absolutely a hundred percent a lot of it, because if they have no expectations, then they can you know go in and and smoke in somebody's house or you mm -hmm. know go in and have a, have drinking on somebody's house. Um, the client come walks in and, and sees you doing that. And they're like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? I don't want you doing that. Get off my property. All of a sudden you've broken that trust and, you know, um, bad advertising goes a lot farther than good advertising does. So if, if you, if you're going to do something like that, it's going to really screw you over big time in the long run. Mm -hmm. No, totally. I know, um, I'll use this as an example. Some people may disagree with what I did, but I just wrapped up a job a couple of days ago and um, I was like 45 minutes away from finishing, but I had an appointment at my showroom and I had to run from the job down there, do the appointment. I was like, I'll come back. I'll get you finished up tonight. Like I just had a little bit of caulking left to do and I'm like getting ready to go out the door. She's like, well, it's going to be late. Like, what do you drink? And I was like, beer. I don't care. Just beer. <clears throat> and so I get back and, you know, I start working. She's like, you ready for that beer? I was like, no, I'm working. I was like, I can't, I can't drink and work. That's like, that's against company policy. She's like, it's your company. I was like, it's, it's against company policy. I don't, I will not drink while I work. I was like, now when I'm done and we've, we've settled up and like, you know, I'm, we're, we're good. Then we can hang out as like friends and I'll have a, you know, I'll have my, I'll have a drink with you then. She was like, Oh, I can respect that. And so, I, I, you know, there's got to be a, a separation and some professionalism, I, th I think, right? You have to be able to establish those boundaries and say, we, can, we can't have it wishy-washy. Like, there needs to be hard lines. And that's, if I had, like, a company handbook, I would put something like that in there. So that would be my next question for you. Is this covenant have like an employee guide or an employee handbook or anything where some of these 
rules and regulations are are laid out. These are our expectations, right? You rep, you go out, you represent us. Here's how you handle yourself within the house. Here's a dress code. Here's X, Y, you know, do, you, do they have anything like that? Yeah, actually they do. Um, okay. and, and it's probably been in place before I've, I've been there. Um, so company t-shirts are provided. Okay. So they have the logo front and back. Mm-hmm. Um, and in that handbook, it, it provides that, uh, if you smoke, you cannot smoke on the owner's property. You have to step off the property. So on the street, wherever it is, um, if you're caught drinking on the job, that's a no, no. Um, and swearing and that it's kind of, you know, one limited, mm-hmm. um, stuff like that. So you don't want to be offensive to the client because it isn't, it isn't just one day you're in and out. You're going to be there for anywhere from two weeks to a year. So you're going to yeah. go through a process where the client client's going to love you in the beginning. They want to kill you in the middle because you're just pissing them off. <laughs> and by the time you get to the end, they love you for what you've done. But it's, it's a matter of learning how to ride that roller coaster, keep everything in line and get it done. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I, and I think that's something that's lacking in a lot of small businesses. You want to know why your guys and gals don't understand what's expected of them. You never laid it out and and you change your mind. You know, one week it's this way, the next week it's that way. You have no consistency. And so how can you expect them to know the rules, follow the rules and take pride in what they, they do when there's nothing to show them and hold them accountable to. Yeah. So, uh, you need you need those systems and processes in place, um, and you need to follow them. Whether you whether you feel like following them or not, as the owner, you need to follow your own rules. You can't um, wiggle around your own rules, and and that means that you're leading your your apprentices uh, in how they act mm-hmm. and and the work that they do. Um, so. Showing, doing that also goes back to the apprentice so he can see that that person is leading them and they have that um, owner mindset that you're talking about. Definitely. All right, I'm going to interrupt this real quick and then we'll jump back into it. It's time to make your plans to travel to Las Vegas with me to hit the show floor at the International Surfaces event. Our sponsor, Tice, has provided me with an incredible offer for you listeners. You can now register for a free exhibits pass with the code KYLE, that's K-Y-L-E. Registration is open online at www.intlsurfaceevent.com forward slash register. It's all happening in Las Vegas, the 31st of January through the 2nd of February, 2023. Don't miss the special podcast episode this December, which will give you the inside scoop on what's happening at the event. Homeowner tenure is at an eight-year low, with the average length of ownership being 6.31 years. 
during ongoing times of building material supply constraints? Does a 25-year or lifetime warranty even make sense? John's Manville Go Board offers a 10-year limited manufacturer warranty on all its products and a list of approved alternative products covered under their warranty. Don't hold up your project because you can't piece together a full system. Visit www.jm.com forward slash Go Board for more information. Okay, Dan. Um, this, I had something, and then you know you got to read those pesky ads, and it just right out, my, right out. Um, we're talking about the pan book. We're talking about in, instilling the stuff into the, into the kids. Uh, it's right on the tip of my what, tongue. Go ahead. What was what you got? What was the theme of your of your of our discussion here again tonight? So instilling that, that owner mentality, right? Like how do we teach, how do we teach, how do we inspire, how do we get them to really take ownership on their own, right? Because once again, oh man, I just make 20 bucks an hour. It doesn't matter to me. (laughs) Well, the thing is when you, when you do have them, um, working with you as an apprentice, whether they're cutting tile or, or cutting lumber or whatever they're doing, um, you, you're giving them um, that lead to do what they're, what they're going to do. And then that way you can control um, what they're doing and how they're doing it. So, you know, we were talking about mistakes earlier. Mm-hmm. If you show them how to do it, and you don't, you know, when you, when you teach somebody how to, how to cut a tile on a, on a wet saw, you know, you want to go through what the safety processes are on it, um, show them how to cut a tile. So you show them how to cut a tile and then you let them cut a tile, but you stand there and you watch them do it. Mm-hmm. And when they're done, then you come back and they say, Hey, you know, this is good. This is needs, you need to do this a little bit differently. So you're guiding them as you go. And whether you're an employee or the owner of the company, um, you teaching them how to do these systems and processes helps them to understand the overall of, of the company and the business. So you have that mentality that you are an owner, right? Because theoretically, um, you know, you want to do this for, you know, three, five, 10 years, whatever it is, and you may want to go out on your own. When you go out on your own, you become that owner operator. So everything that you that you're being taught, that you're learning, you want to keep that stored in the back of your head. So when you do get to that point, you want to do the same things. You want to be able to teach somebody else to how to how to do it, and then continue on that role of um, teacher and student. Mm-hmm. I, you know, that's, and so that thought process, that line of thought brought it back. Um, shout out to my buddy, Ed, Eduardo Martinez o- over in Texas. Um, he's in one of the mastermind groups and, and we're chatting a- a- about employees and stuff one day. And he's mentioning how he may be the owner, right? And then he's got, he does commercial stuff. And so there could be eight guys working under him or like a crew of eight. Right. And so 
could he sit there on the ride on machine and just boss people around and yell at him and, and this, that, and the other thing? Sure. It, it, that it could happen that way, but he made a really poignant comment of, no, I, I let them do everything. And then I ask them what they need. I make sure that I'm there to serve my guys. And that was like, it just, it really struck me as like, that's, you're going to go really far with that attitude. And I don't know that enough people look at it that way. You want your employee to gain an owner mentality. I think that's one of the ways you can do it because too many people think uh, that's my employee. They're here to serve me, right? They're here to do whatever I want them to do. I don't think that that's, that's being a boss. If you want to be a leader, then you need to be there to serve that employee so that they can grow. And I think that's what you're talking about is being able to educate them and show them how they can do it on their own successfully. And you have to give them those opportunities to screw up and learn and make mistakes. And you're there coaching them along the way, building them up as opposed to getting frustrated and fixing it and just being like, you know what? It's only going to take me five minutes. Move out of the way. I got this. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, you know, there's a difference between being a boss and being a leader. Okay. And if you, if you've ever seen uh, a picture, like a hieroglyphic, I guess it would have been a picture of a hieroglyphic and you have uh, a bunch of people pulling a a piece of stone. Mm -hmm. The boss is sitting on top of the stone, whipping the, the, the people, the servants, a leader is in front of the servants showing them and working with them to get the job accomplished. And so, you know, as, as a business owner, you want to be there and showing them how, how to get things done, but letting them make mistakes so that they learn from them, but you want to lead them. You don't want to be pushing them. Mm -hmm. For sure. It's, it goes against conventional wisdom, I think, and what we're taught, right? Like, oh, you're the owner of the business. You got to make all the calls. You got to call all the shots. You got to yeah. do X, Y, and Z. And then we're sitting here saying that, no, you need to stop and let them learn it. And you need to help them learn it and, and slow down. And people, I think that's where they get frustrated. Everyone's like, well, I'm going to lose money on them then. I can't do it. it well, here, here's the thing, folks. If if it's a task that takes five minutes and you keep pushing the employee out of the way, right? Let's say that this is a task that happens three times a day. Okay. And you push the employee out of the, I'll just do it. It's faster for me to do it. it. You'll whatever, just pay attention. You'll learn. Okay. That's 15 minutes a day that you're losing. That's uh 45 and that's an hour and 15 minutes a, a week. So that's like six hours, a, six hours a month, right? Four and a half. No four and then another five hours a month. I can do math. I promise. Don't I I measure three times and cut 18. I I swear. (laughs) Um, all right. So that's five hours that you're going to lose right in, in a month. All right. So that's 60 hours a year on the job site you would lose in this example. Whereas if you would just spend two hours properly teaching the person the first time, you would save 58 hours. Yes. What can you do with those 58 hours? If if you 
get the employee to understand the importance of what they're doing and you you treat them respectfully and you you grow them right you're gonna have to lose time up front but you will gain so much more on the back end and i don't know that a lot of owner operators are realizing that how to make that switch absolutely so so growing up um I was taught how to think, how to problem solve. Mm-hmm. And today, whether it be 30 years ago or today, the same principles apply. If you can teach your staff how to think, how to problem solve, um, you don't have to stand there and um, tell them how to do it. They're, they're going to look at a problem and they're going to say, okay, I have option A and I have option B and I'm going to go to my, my supervisor and say, okay, this is my problem. Option A I thought of was this option B I thought of was this. And he's going to look at it and go, well, okay, well, if, what's, what's the circumstances if you do option A and what is it with option B? And then they can go, well, the supervisor may go, oh, well, option C, you could do this, but you know what? I think what you figured out as option A as our best way of solving this problem, go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm. You're taking on that responsibility as an owner in regards to uh, the thinking out problems and and finding a solution for it. Yeah, I think that's a huge problem. Uh, I don't think that today's education system necessarily teaches kids. It teaches them how to regurgitate information. It doesn't teach them how to solve a problem for information and and go and acquire it and learn and so i there's you know you have to look at the kids that are coming in today they're not you they they have a different way of doing things and that's okay you're gonna have to work around it and teach them a little bit more but that's that doesn't mean that they can't do it successfully and so within this getting them to solve a problem once again, I think that goes back to being able to trust people. Like you have to give them enough autonomy to operate that because if they come to you with every little problem, right? Well, I got A and B. Which one do you want me to do? Well, okay, the, here's C, D, and E. Like I'll give you three more options. I don't have time to solve it for you, right? You came up no. with the solution. You need to trust your abilities to do it. Now, granted, if you're six months in, I, I probably want you coming to me, but if you've been doing this three or four years, man, I can't have you coming to me for every little thing. Like you, you know what to do. You came up with the solution, own it, like take ownership. And then if it's a mistake, like we'll deal with that. But at some point I have to allow you to make decisions and, and fail and, and grow. And then we can go over, you know, why didn't it work? Now, hopefully you're checking in on somebody and, and finding it, right? So you don't, you're not learning two years down the road that an entire shower failed and then it's got into the cabinet and the laundry room and the kitchen and like you're replacing three things instead of one. Hopefully it's, you know, you come in the next day and you're like, man, you really set that tile like garbage. Like, look, I'll get a couple more boxes ordered. We'll rip them out and, and let's go from there. But it, you can't. You want someone to act like an owner, let them be an owner, let them make the decision, let them 
own that decision for for better or worse. Yes. Uh, again, it's it's like your kids, right? You you know that they're going to make mistakes, mm-hmm. and you, I mean, we, you you train them as best you can, and when they move out of the house, you think, oh, I hope I've trained them enough that they're, you know, they may fall on their face, but they know how to pick themselves up and keep going. Uh, and the same principle applies when you're in in the, working for somebody as well. Um, you know, you, you're as the owner, you want to teach them how to how to solve problem solve and trust. Have them trust their own gut and their decisions that they make. That is the best decision to make. Um, and then the home the owner comes, the business owner comes in and, and checks it and, and says, "Hey, you know what? You did a good job. Thank you." Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's important too is is showing that you acknowledge um what they did as a good decision and feeding that because if you don't if you don't feed the good decisions they don't know if they are making good decisions and they question themselves and all of a sudden um you're back to square one but you want to you want to keep forging them forward so that they can work independently of you. You, mm-hmm. what, what's your first line of your of your podcast about um, being a business owner as opposed to working for a business, right? Yeah. Well, I think it's um, man, just lost it. Um, I'm not doing. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. My brain doesn't just, operate well these days. It's been a rough couple weeks. Uh, there's to to get the employee to have that freedom right i i think um that's what it was the thankfulness right like showing gratitude that i i heard a long time ago it's really dumb right like once again treating that employee with enough respect that you ask them to go get you a tool from the trailer they're not your slave please, can you go to the trailer and grab me the demo hammer? They bring it back. Thanks for grabbing me the demo hammer or just thanks or like show appreciation. And it's going to help them feel like they're actually wanted around and that they're needed, right? If I'm not happy with the person I'm working with, then why would I want to take ownership in the company? Like you're not setting the example that you take ownership. So your character traits will not rub off on me <laughs> and, or, or they will. And then you're going to have two disgruntled guys out on a job site, really pissed off. Right. And so if you're the owner in the office and you're out doing the bids or making the sales and things like that, and you're going out and you're all happy schmoozy with the customers or the potential clients. Right. And then you, you, you land a project and you get, two salty guys showing up how's that reflect on you to the client right they're gonna be like whoa what like where's the disconnect between the guy that sold me the floor or the shower and two people that came out to install it yeah absolutely the uh yeah (laughs) (laughs) well and so i mean what's that look like okay so one of the owners is the you know you know the project manager he's coming out and i'm assuming that on larger scale projects where you're doing the bathroom and they have some of the other people in the home 
what is that environment look like to you know how are the owners showing up how is the rest of the team showing up like what does that look like for covenant so that you you're all kind of on the same page you know are there i wouldn't want you to throw anyone under the bus but are there employees that you feel like don't have the same mentality as you or do you think they've done a really good job over there finding people that all care about the company and want to see it succeed Everybody cares about the company and wants it to succeed. Um, I mean, in, in the past, we've hired uh, certain ones, and you know, it, they they were there for a month, but they screwed stuff up so much that it took a year to fix everything. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of of screening who you hire as well. And even though it, it may be it may be difficult to find the right person, it may be difficult to um, be under pressure to have a get a bunch of jobs done and not have enough staff or the right staff to do the job uh, and like you said if you if you just pull somebody off the street who doesn't have the same interests in the company or moving forward um, you know it's like a drop of poison in a glass of water it it just permeates everything and nothing works like it's supposed to so it's a matter of yeah uh, finding the right people uh, and putting them in the right positions that they need so that they can move forward. Mm-hmm. Now, the, 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 so I'm a foreman and the project manager. Everybody wears uh, logo T-shirts. Uh, everybody's always dressed cleanly. I mean, as clean as you can be. Usually if you're a manager kind of thing, you're, you're dressed a little nicer than mm-hmm. the guy who's slinging mud kind of thing, right? Uh, but it's always, uh, you know, respectful of the clients and their home, uh, the, the clients themselves, you know, their children, um, you know, their vehicles, their garage, wherever you're working in, um, because you're going to be there for a couple weeks. You're going to be there for, you know, two, three, four weeks or longer. Mm-hmm. Um, you, for myself, I take it personally and, um, I build a relationship between the clients and myself, kind of, you know, asking some questions. You got a perfectly, a stranger come off the street, comes in your house, uh, and you have, you have no idea about them. Yeah. So first thing you do is you go in say, Hey, you know, my name is so-and-so, um, you know, how did you, how did you find us? You know, questions that draw them out, talk about themselves. And then, then you find yourself, uh, common ground. Once you find common ground, then it's easy to uh, break down that barrier between homeowner and contractor, and it makes it easier to deal with things ne- today, and it makes it easier easier to deal with things in the future when stuff goes sideways. Because there's never any job where it just goes smooth. You always <laughs> come across, you know. Floor joists that are cut through, and you gotta do a change order for something, mm-hmm. or you know, it's it, it, uh, something always goes sideways. Y- yes, and it's some learning how to roll with it, and uh, being able to take a hit, get back up, and keep going. For sure, and I think that's something that needs to be demonstrated too, right? How do you react in those situations? Let alone, you know, you were talking about talking with the clients and interacting with them and whatnot. 
what's your attitude once you leave? You know, if you're in the van and you've got a young apprentice and you leave the job and you're, oh, that Karen, I can't stand her and da da da, like you start bad mouthing the client that's going to be, you know, paying your wage for the week, that two months or whatever it is. How much do you respect your business that now you're demonstrating that it's okay to badmouth clients when you're not on the job site? I think it's just a poor attitude to to have. And then you're instilling that in this person that you want to train up and put out in the world for you, right? And so now they're going to go and they're going to put their smile on and they're going to have that all day. And then they're going to, you're going to get them somebody and they're going to hop in the van and then they're going to start complaining about how Karen-y the Karen is. And <laughs> that apprentice may not realize that, you know, it needs to, st- what what's said in the van stays in the van, right? And so then you're on the job site and you think no one's around and he starts talking and then in walks Karen and she hears what you, what, what this guy's saying. And it's like, now, now you got to put out that fire, right? So it's instilling this attitude, this, this owner mentality. I think it goes like you have to live it and then you have to get people to buy into the lifestyle that you're creating, that culture you're creating around your business. And if that means you got to interview five people, you know, well, more than five people, right? You're going to, if you got to interview 50 people to find the good fit, someone that understands and really fits your culture, that the time invested into interviewing will pay off because you found somebody that's actually going to fit as opposed to finding a body. And I think that's where a lot of contractors go wrong is it's, well, Jimmy down the street just graduated high school. He needs a job and you're just after a body. And when you're after a body, it's probably not going to work out. No, they're just, if you're looking for a body, they're going to be, uh, carrying stuff around for you, throwing out garbage, just just menial tasks. You want somebody that you can teach who's looking to learn, who wants to improve themselves, improve uh, their skill set, um, um, grow in their in their who they are as a person, mm-hmm. and you need that uh, owner mentality. The, the owner's got to live his own ownership of his business, right? He's got to mirror off. He wants the apprentice to mirror off his attitude. And if if your attitude as the owner is is not great, like you said, um, it shows with that apprentice. They, they're a sponge. They're, they're going to soak it up. They're going to... Um, mirror what you are what you're saying what you're doing what your actions mm-hmm. definitely it's i don't know well look a lot of people went from a bad situation of not being taught everything to jumping out on their own and then now they're struggling to figure out this business ownership thing and so once again i think that's where this show comes in is we're actually having the conversations that should be had. This this is a conversation I would I would be happy to have with my employees. I'd have any business conversation with somebody working for me. You want to know how the books work, dude? Let's sit down. I'll teach you the books. Like I don't yeah. I don't care. 
Because if you do go out on your own, I want you to be successful. I also want you to understand that there's a lot more that goes into this. I, I think a lot of times, like the apprentice gets, they spend all day loading up the back of the truck or a dump trailer or something full of stuff. And then that trailer comes back empty the next day. It doesn't always click that it was you as the owner that had to go home and put in the extra hours to get that thing empty to come, you know, so that it could come back empty the next day and be loaded up again. It's just taken for granted that like, oh, look, the trailer's empty. I can fill it up again. That's a conversation to have with them. Like, look, man, you think like I don't pay you. You think that I just walk around and I get a big paycheck. No, I went and like when you went home to play Xbox, I went and put in another four hours. I found us the job for six weeks from now. I went and delivered some material. I got rid of the stuff in the back of the truck. Like you think it's easy being me. And I, uh, you know, it's having those conversations and explaining what it takes to run the business, where you're coming from, how it operates that I think will help them learn and see and kind of not only have more respect for you, but more respect for the business and what it takes to run it so that they can build up to a position where they really can be successful with you when they understand what it takes and what you're giving and sacrificing for them. The, I I think somebody, the, the right person is going to want to fall in line with that system and make sure they're giving back to you and, and doing right by the business that is providing for them. Yeah. If you're, if as the owner, you need to understand that the person that you hire may, the, may be there for a year. They may be there for the rest of their life. That is to be determined. But um, you, as the owner, want to help that person grow to the point where, you know, if they decide that they have outgrown their position or their place in this company, that they can move on and continue on from where they are. And, you know, as you're, as, as you, if you become your own business owner, you're going to make mistakes, same as an apprentice does. Um, and you got to be, you got to understand, you know, as the owner, you don't have anybody there to say, hey, hey, do it differently. It'll go better. As an apprentice working under an owner, that owner has your best interest at heart. They want to make sure that you succeed. And so, um, you know, you want that, you want that good relationship between the, the, you know, your apprentices and your, your business owners. For sure. You got any final thoughts, Dan, anything that we didn't hit on that you think we need to cover real quick? No, I think that covers Mm -hmm. it up pretty quick. I agree. I think it's uh, I think it's something to look at. I think it's something to be considered that, you know, we need to definitely look at how we treat our employees. We need to look at what we're trying to teach them. Uh, I'm a firm believer in let's leave them better than we found them. And I think that's going to go a long ways with having that owner mentality, right? You build somebody up and make them more successful, then they're going to want to help make you more successful. Whereas if you're down talking somebody all the time like 
man, I don't, I don't care about your company. Like you're giving, you're literally putting money in my bank account and I, that's all you're doing for me, right? What, what are you doing above and beyond that that makes me care about what you have going on? So it, it's, you're not just buying time, folks. You're not just paying for them to show up and do what you tell them to do. The, the money only goes so far. And a lot of people aren't money motivated. And so it's not going to go very far with a lot of people. You have to find something else. Go ahead. uh, This generation, (laughs) it's not the same generation that you or I grew up in. Yeah. And that being said, because my generation is, is, you know, a couple of generations back, we have to look at things way differently so that the new generation that's coming into this, into any, any of the trades, um, you have to change how you teach. You have to, to change, um, what, what they, you know, what they want out of it is not what we wanted out of it when we started. And so we have to adjust and modify ourselves to help train them to get into it. I agree. You got to find what motivates somebody, right? If, if I had a kid show up and there was a game coming out for Xbox in three months and that's what he really wanted, I dude, I'd be all over that. Like, that's what you want. All right, man, here's how you can earn it, right? I will buy you that thing. I will go pre-order it, but you got to hit X, Y, and Z, right? Like if that's find what motivates them, get to know them on a, on a deeper level and where they want to go, man, they might want to just set tile for now or lay carpet or whatever it is. Right. But this is the thing for now. How can I make you more successful? How can I grow you as a person? How can I get you to be more successful? And if you can treat them with respect, while you do all of that. They're probably going to come to work and be respectful of you and your company and help you move forward. And then maybe they change their mind. Maybe you instill in them that like you you have so much passion for what you're doing and they see it that, oh my gosh, like, hey, this really could be something like I enjoy doing this and I want to continue to do it. And then I'll just do the other thing that I thought I wanted to do as a, as a hobby on the side. But throwing a trowel and yelling at people, dude, I don't want to come show up and work for you. Get out of here. Well, that's how it was for me. They got to suck it up. Shut up. Just shut up. I don't want to hear it. It does not. Did you enjoy having the trial thrown at you? No. Okay. So why would you do that to somebody else? It just doesn't make sense. Okay. I don't care about hazing. I don't care about the way it was. That's the problem. As you say, well, this is the way it's always been, but it didn't work. So why are you still doing it? Yeah. God. Trades, right? Respect in the trades. Uh, uh, yes, you want you want respect. Start acting respectable. I, I, you know, I what it. I know that's in an episode. I did an episode about that. Maybe it was. Um, I think it was with Jamin and uh, Jamin and Chanel. Long ago, but like, yeah, you. Everyone wants to complain. All oh, the trades don't get any respect. Look at how you act. Have you have you looked at one of the Facebook groups recently? Have you? gone through them and seen the kind of garbage that gets posted, the thoughts, the comments, the lewd remarks. Yeah. You you want respect and this is how you act in a public forum? 
Come, come on, come on. I I see that in some of the larger tile groups, uh, and you get somebody who's new in there, and they're they're trying to learn. Mm-hmm. You know, they post a picture or something to say, okay, um, this is the situation I'm in. What do I need to do, uh, or what would you do? And you always get some crusty old person in there, and they're like, oh. If you don't know how to do it, what do you? Why? Why are you? Why are you doing this? Go, go hire a professional to do it. At some point, that person who posted that response was the same kid that's trying to learn how to do it today. Correct. And may have had the trial thrown at him at that time, but you're crusty about it. You've hated your job for the last thirty years. Why are you? You know, why are you trying to? Get yeah. this young person into it, um, crusty to start with, and he's going to spend his whole life hating his job. If you love your job, you'll never work a day in your life. I agree. You got to you got to find the things to make you happy and and things to enjoy. Right? It's <clears throat> I was having a conversation with with Trask Bergerson recently, and it, it's you know you were talking about something's going to go sideways. It's inevitable, yeah. right? We're in construction. Something's going to go sideways. Nothing ever goes smooth according to plan. And uh, I don't know that a lot of business owners realize that they're problem solvers, right? Like once again, going back to the beginning of the episode, like you're not a tile installer anymore. You're not a flooring installer anymore. You're a business owner. Business owners solve problems. Businesses are created to solve problems. So if you're a problem solver, then shut up. It went sideways. Solve the problem, right? There's no need to get mad. Just solve the problem. That's what you're there to do. And yes. and that <clears throat> that's changed my mindset recently. It was like, oh, yeah, you're right. Like, that was a really good point of yeah. just shut up, solve the problem and move on. Like, the amount of effort we put into being frustrated by something when it goes wrong man, you can just free up so much of, of your headspace by saying like, well, you know, it, it happened again. Oh, well, like, okay, I got option A, B, or C. Uh, I think we'll go with B, and and then you just start working towards it. Yep. Yep. Remember that, too, when you when, when people call you up to ask you to come and look at a job or, or clients, right? They have a problem, and you have a solution for it. And so um, you go in and you, you say, okay, I got option A or option, I've got option B. Um, you know, what's your budget? What do you want it to look like in the end? Mm-hmm. Um, and then go from there, right? It's, it's, you solve problems. That's what we do. Exactly. And you just figure it out, folks. <clears throat> you want to solve <laughs> it. Like it, it's not, man. <sighs> And that's right. where in, uh, as problem solvers, the, the problem we have today is that we lack people getting into the trades. doesn't matter if it's flooring, tile, carpet, rug, yeah. Yeah. Um, framing, roofing, masonry, any of that. There's such a shortage of trades in all trades. Um, we, how, do you, how do you encourage people to get into it? And you have to have the respect for them. Well, stop being crusty. Yeah. 
<laughs> Stop being crusty. Find a way to volunteer in your local community, right? Like they took trades out of schools. Work, yep. I, th- an idea that I've thrown out at a couple of people is could you find a way to give up one day a month? Could you give up like a Monday a month, right? And then you find three or four other people in your area to partner with and they'll all give up a Monday too. Could you go to a local high school, talk with the principal, talk with the you know school board, whatever you got to do, and find a way that each one of you will come in on a Monday and start like a, a, a shop class of some kind, right? Could you teach them the trades in the high school? And then you only got to give up one day a month. You'll yeah. still be able to support yourself. You'll still like, we got to get it in front of these kids. They don't even know it's an option. They, they, no. they don't see us. I've talked about this before too. It's like, we're, we're hidden. A lot of the finished trades were hidden. No one knows they exist, right? You know, a roofer exists, you know, that road construction worker exists. We see those things. We drive around. Even as a, as a child, you're in your parents' car, you're looking out the window. Oh, mom, why is the guy on the roof? And then, oh, well, you know, you can be a roofer. Uh, how many people are getting shower remodels? How many kids see you come in? And then how many remember, you know, that the shower, the, the tile guy came in when they were five and now it's 13 years later, they're 18 and they got to find their first job. They're going to be like, oh man, you know, that time that tile guy came when I was five, that was real cool. You, you know, you're not getting a shower every six months installed. It's like this thought process of, oh, yeah, I can I can be a tile person. So there's no exposure. We need to go get an exposure and then we can find people. Well, they don't want to. I can't go down this road. This is another podcast, people. Uh, we'll find <laughs> someone to talk to about it because they're not lazy. I got I got I got an example <laughs> of that for you. So the job I just wrapped up. Um younger couple and their son's uh, in senior kindergarten. So like four or five years old. Mm-hmm. And every morning I come in the house, ask the owners if they have any questions and talk to the son. And I mean, he's young in- inquisitive, ask questions, right? So walk in where am I we're carrying tools? And I goes, what's that for? What's that for? And instead of talking down to him, I talked to him, mm-hmm. a person to a person. And they appreciate that you're being, you're being straightforward, you're being honest, you tell them the answer to the question they're asking. And I don't know, in, you know, 10 years, 15 years, that person, that young boy uh, may look at it and go, hey, you know what, when that person was in doing my doing my parents bathroom at that time, he was so uh, kind mm-hmm. and answered all my questions that I want to go. F- I want to. F- I want to learn more. Yeah. How do I learn more? No, I totally agree, and that's why I'm saying, like, go get involved with a with a school, right? If you can start working with these kids when they're when they're freshmen, right? That gives you four years to like instill something yeah. into them, and then. Look, we're we're all young kids, right? You go out at eighteen, and you you don't you think you know everything, and so it you might not even get you you could start working with a kid when they're fourteen, and they're a freshman. You they might not come back to you and after spending four years with you in in high school until they're like twenty one, twenty two years old, because they got to go get it out of their system, and then they're going to be realize I'm unhappy, you know. But when I used to work with with Dan. 
in high school and he would come on Mondays and like teach me stuff about tile. Like that was cool. I really enjoyed that. Let what, what, where can I find yeah. him? How do I, or, you know, where do I find somebody that does that? Yeah. It, it's, we're going to have to ch- change what we do because what we've been doing doesn't work. Yeah. Now I got to ask you down in the States, mm-hmm. is there, um, is there schools where they actually teach, uh, tile setting or carpet installer that, or is that part of the NTCA and the, the, the flooring organizations? So I don't know of any actual for-profit schools. Schooling? Yeah. Like okay. there's uh, now there, uh, you know, the, the union does exist down here. And so, right the carpentry union handles like wood flooring and stuff like that. Um, if so, if there's a union in your area, you could go that route. The floor covering education foundation is working on getting like a 10 week, 12 week apprenticeship program into colleges around the country. So that you can go and they give you like, you know, they go over carpet, they go over hardwood and they go over tile over those 12 weeks. And then I I, I believe CTI, no, CTEF, Ceramic Tile Education Foundation, used to have more classes as opposed to just the CTI. I think they're trying to bring those back from what I hear. And then I know certified flooring installers does a five week like apprenticeship for carpet. So you right. can you can go to them and you know in five weeks you'll kind of learn the basics of of carpet and be pretty well informed. I wouldn't say you could go out on your own, but you could go be someone's apprentice and have some knowledge of the tools and basic concepts to be helpful. So there's some stuff, but I think that it's there's not you gotta nurture that's that not, when- well it's not gonna solve the problem. No. Because they've been around and they're not doing it. And everyone wants to say, well, there's nobody, there's nobody. What are you doing about it? And I think that's my point. You want to solve the, you want somebody to come work for you. You go solve the problem. It's, it, yeah. it's, it's your trade. How much do you care about it? So how can you partner with other businesses in your area to find to to build a talent pool. Yes. That's what needs to happen. You can't we're 20 years behind. So we better get working on something and everyone wants to say, "Oh, well, what about, you know, we can't find them, we can't they don't want to do anything." What are you doing about it? Cuz sitting yeah. there complaining isn't going to work for you. That's not getting us anywhere. Up here, there's a, there's, you, we have apprentices, and I think there's about fifty red seal trades. But the unfortunate thing is, is that flooring, um, carpet, tile work uh, are not necessarily a. Um, there's not a lot of places where you can get educated on how to do it. Mm. So you end up having to find somebody who is in that trade who has that certification that you can work under so that you can go back out and get your own certification on that trade. And it's, it's difficult to find people who um, have that 
certification so that you can learn. And it's so even if even if you go to the schools and you say, hey, you know, get into the flooring trades, um, it's still hard for them to find people that are willing to take them on. Interesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know what the solution is, right? There's too many people that are wanting to not deal with taking on new people anymore. They've, oh, they all leave. They all quit. They're all lazy. They're all, uh, okay, well, somebody's going to have to do something because if nobody could, if nobody does anything, we're going to go back to being on, on dirt floors here soon because no one's going <laughs> to be able to build a house. Like, <laughs> So somebody, somebody better figure something out because it's not looking good. You've got to take on somebody. Go yeah. train somebody. And especially with all these guys retiring, man, it, look, I'll tell you what, you want to find a way to, you want to find a way to retire? I'd open up a for-profit flooring school with a couple of guys, man. Go find yourself a really good tile guy. <laughs> find yourself a good carpet guy. Find yourself a good hardwood guy. Open yourself up a for-profit school, build some dorms, and and find some, you know, government money to get some funding, and start putting those kids in there and, and churning them out. So, where I live in London, uh, there's a, a it's called Fanshawe College, and they have at least the at least carpentry, electrical, plumbing. They might even have HVAC. Uh, in their apprenticeship program. Mm-hmm. So there, there is that here. And there's actually a masonry school as well that teaches brick masonry on the outside. Uh, but it's, it's, it, the, the opportunity is there. It's just a matter of figuring out how to, how to um, pull them in. And, you know, if you're, if you're a business owner, you know, showing that you're looking for that person and you're willing to, Take them under your wing, teach them both on the site, on on the job site and in school, how to do it so that they can get the certification mm-hmm. and understand that you want that you, you want to leave them. You want them to leave better than you found them. You know, if it comes down to that point or when it comes to that point. Yeah. No, and I think it's gotta be a <sighs> we got to make it look sexy. Like, it, it, we're not, uh, there's too many people out there complaining about what they do. Once again, it goes back to that guy that's like crusty and, and, you know, never happy about himself working in the trades or herself working in the trades. Why are you doing it then? Go find something else, right? Because you're just giving us all a bad reputation. You're making it look bad. You're making it harder to bring people in. Nobody thinks you can make money in in the trades. Well, at least in the flooring trades, right? Oh, there's no money in tile. There's no money. There's tons of money when you know what you're doing. You want rates to go up? Go teat. Oh, you can't make a new one. Man, I make great money. And I'm proud of what I do. I love what I do. I will teach somebody how to go run a business just as as well as I do. Because if you start churning out a bunch of people to go be in the market at the level that when you're producing at the top level of the market, if that becomes the standard, then the lower end of the market gets pushed out and people have to accept the higher rate. So now the low end rates become what were the high end rates and then the high end people can continue to raise their rates. 
it, it's they become centered. Yes. So yes. go f- be proud of what you do. Go show off how sexy it is. Do a cool scribe or, you know, get into the porcelain panels or, you know, find a way to sell a herringbone floor. Like, go show off some really cool stuff. Show off the cool skills, what you can do with it. Find a new creative way to use a product, right? Like, you can stick tile or wood to almost anything. How can I... How can you use something left over from a project and and build something, right? You got some scraps of engineered hardwood left. Miter those bad boys together and make a make a box, put a lid on it, right? And you build a birdhouse out of it. I don't know. Like find a way to get a kid working with some tools and, and using the materials and then show them what else you can do with it. Yeah. And then when you're passionate about it and you love it, and you have a great attitude, they might just get that owner mentality and, and take, and take pride in what they're doing, just like you're showing them. So now we've come full circle. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) All right. Uh, Dan, if anyone wants to find you, how do they, how do they find you? How do they reach out? If they got questions for you. So I am Waldo underscore, uh, the underscore Tyler on TikTok uh, and Instagram, uh, Facebook. I'm just under my my name, Dan Wall. Um, and if you want to message me on on any of that, you're more than welcome to ask any questions. I got lots of answers. So if I don't know the answer, I always find somebody who knows more than I do that has the right answer. <laughs> right on. People yourself. Dan is very active. He's always participating in the groups. He's always got great comments. So don't hesitate to reach out. He he knows what he's doing. All right. I appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your insights with us, providing some value for the audience. Thank you to the sponsors. If this show has been helpful to you, go to FloorAcademyPod.com. Click on the shop. Go get a profit is not a dirty word hoodie or or t-shirt. Or we got, you know, just the classic Floor Academy logo shirts. Um, tons of fun stuff over there. If you want to help support the show on Patreon, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash floor academy. Even five bucks a month goes a long way in helping me to continue to produce the the content. And make sure you subscribe, leave a review. It helps me punch higher in the like rankings and stuff, makes the show show up more in search results. So leave a review. Maybe I start reading them out. That's an idea I've had. So maybe I go pull a bunch of reviews and I'll start reading like one a week at the beginning of an episode. Um, what else? Check out the YouTube. If you want to if you want to look at my ugly mug and and what it looks like to record an episode, go over to YouTube and all the episodes get video content now so you can see what it's like when I record an episode and lose my train of thought. And then subscribe over there so I can get a thousand subscribers and my 4000 watch hours and then I can get my custom URL and and maybe get some that sweet sweet YouTube advertising money. <laughs> uh that's all we got for this week. Uh, we'll, we'll, I'll be back next week. New topic, new guest, new solution, new ways to build an asset and stop owning a job. Thanks everybody.